Hey, do you have an interesting story to tell about your life or your business and how you got into it? Maybe you know somebody who does, or maybe you've got an idea about a topic that might be interesting or funny to have a conversation about. Hey, if you do, shoot me an email to info at you don't say dot net. Again, that's info at you don't say dot net or post a comment on our Facebook page. We're at YDS Stories. Again, that's YDS Stories on Facebook. And hey, maybe I'll be talking to you soon. You know, aren't there enough things that cost an arm and a leg when you're running a business? There's really no reason you should be spending five grand or more for a website unless it's doing some pretty whiz-bang stuff. With Squarespace, you don't have to, even with some whiz-bang. With plans starting as low as 12 bucks a month for a personal website, Squarespace has a library of professionally designed templates to start from with easy-to-use tools that let you customize your site to fit your brand. So get that site going today. Just go to youdon'tsay.net, look for the Squarespace logo on the homepage, click on it, and when you check out, put in the code PARTNER10, again, that's PARTNER10, you'll save 10% off your first subscription on a website or a domain. And if you need help with your site, drop Left Brain Right Brain Marketing a call at lbrbm.com. Squarespace, it's the shortest, most cost-effective distance between here and success. Direct Mail. To a business owner, that only brings to mind big dollar signs and little return. Well, there's a better way to reach, stay in front of, and engage your customers, prospects, and cohorts. Constant contact, folks. Yep, I've used them for years for my businesses, and it works. And for pennies per contact as compared to direct mail. Subscriptions start at around 20 bucks a month. Constant Contact provides powerful email tools that include a library of awesome design templates, list management and reporting, event management, polls, and more. So, if you want to stay in front of your audience, Constant Contact has everything you need, and I'll make it easy for you. Simply go to constantcontact.com forward slash you don't say to start your free trial account today. This is Drew Zagorski. You're listening to You Don't Say. Thanks for that. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts or at youdon'tsay.net and share with your family, friends, and everyone else you know. So, here's the story. The past couple weeks have been life-changing for a guy named John Gruden. Emails that he sent 10 years ago to Bruce Allen, then the president of the Washington Football Club, have showed up in public. They were caught up in a team, then an NFL investigation into workplace misconduct that included sexual harassment, bullying, and abuse within the Washington organization. The Gruden email was also just one of 650,000 that were collected for the investigation. Yeah, I said 650,000. But my conversation today isn't about the numbers, which you can pretty well bet there are plenty of other heinous emails in that payload. Nor is it about why Gruden's was the only one to be leaked. All good questions, but not for today. The bottom line is that Gruden's emails contained homophobic, racist, and sexist comments, and the emails also included photos of topless women, including one Washington cheerleader. He also criticized the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, on a number of topics, including inclusion of female refs in the league and how the league handled silent protests of players during the national anthem. His comments were pretty much a scorched-earth kind of thing for anyone who isn't a straight Caucasian conservative. I've included a couple of articles from the Sporting News and the New York Times in the episode notes, so you can read in on the whole situation. In the end, the sunlight that was shed on the emails led to Gruden's resignation a few days after they were leaked. He became a member of the Cancel Club. Now, Please hear and understand this before I go any further. I'm not condoning Gruden's comments in any way. He deserves a flag on the play, and his views are not ones that I share. 
Despite what a lot of people are saying, he did actually make an attempt at apologizing in the wake of the leak. He claimed that he was venting in the email. Okay, not the greatest shot at contrition, but he did make the effort. It's not clear to me whether he was using his personal email account or a business email. If the latter, that's also another conversation for another day because it's pretty much standard practice for businesses to prohibit the use of their company email accounts for anything that isn't work-related. So I'm going to give John the benefit of the doubt here and assume that he was using his personal email account. Anyway, he shared his perspectives and opinions in the emails, but as horrible as they may be to a whole lot of people, that's his right. Just like it's an athlete's right to respectfully protest on the sideline during the Star Spangled Banner. Just like it's the right of each of us to express ourselves however we choose, short of inciting violence or dropping bona fide hate speech, as unfortunately too many people do. You and I don't have to like that, but there it is. What we say or put in writing, we all need to be accountable for. So, as it stands today, it looks like Gruden's career in sports or broadcasting is done. He's been canceled. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't like the cancel culture mentality. And honestly, I think it's destructive. And I'll speak honestly now. If we're all being truthful with ourselves, I'm pretty certain that if we go back through our own lives and the older we get, the more there is to choose from. We've all said and done things that we're ashamed of, but we just can't put them back in the bottle. In my younger years, I certainly dropped racist comments and jokes and said things that were homophobic and misogynistic. That's my truth, painful as it is to think about, but fortunately, the majority of us can also say with confidence that throughout our lives, we've evolved. I've certainly tried to become a better person from my late teens on, and it's something that'll continue until the day I die. We've learned from our past and sought out new information, reached out to a wider world to experience more. We've come to understand that prejudices and ignorance of the way we thought as younger people were out of bounds, and not just out of bounds but flat-out ugly and had nothing to do with reality. We're open to change and learning from our mistakes. So, we mature and become better people with much to contribute to each other in our world. Fortunately, most of us, even in this day of smartphone videos and social media, have never been the subject of intense scrutiny. Sure, a few people in our circles have thankfully called us out on things we needed to be called out on, so we were able to do a bit of self-reflection and improvement, but we've never had to experience being cancelled being shut out of ever being able to pursue a living or using whatever gifts or skills we have to make our world better. Being forever done, no second chance. That's how a lot of people doing the canceling would have it. Now, some things do deserve severe repercussions, rape, murder, and honestly, any crime against another human being. They're all violent crimes, whether it's stealing or damaging someone's property, innocence, or taking their lives. There's no such thing as a victimless or nonviolent crime, in my opinion. Crimes should be prosecuted and perpetrators should serve whatever sentence applies up to and including a life behind bars. Harvey Weinstein definitely belongs in a cell. But I believe even those individuals can make a positive impact from the inside if given the appropriate counseling and path to do so. They may help someone who's in for a lesser crime understand how they can find a better way when they get out and not make the same mistakes they have. Anyway, think about what being canceled would do to you. You screwed up, you're done. End of story. No opportunity to try to evolve, even if you do offer a sincere apology. Finito. Again, I'm pretty sure all of us have some skeleton in our closet that we're not proud of, that someone, somewhere, can use as a case to cancel us to one degree or another. 
And if it's something that happened in the past, forget about who you've become today, regardless of whether you've done the work to improve yourself or make things right with whomever or whatever, or no matter how you've changed your thinking since you did whatever you did in the past. None of that counts. You've sinned. You're condemned. So yeah, Gruden and others like him need to take stock and be held accountable for sure. But here's the thing. If he does the work and counseling or whatever he needs to do to truly change his thinking, what could happen? Maybe he never does work in the NFL or as a broadcaster again, but maybe he takes a job coaching at a high school and maybe he finds a kid and maybe this kid is gay or black or both or trans or a girl and he takes the kid under his wing and mentors him. Maybe he coaches him not just in football, but in life. And maybe that kid, because of that, grows in confidence and learns a work ethic and is able to find a way out of a broken home situation into a scholarship and then a degree. Maybe the kid doesn't even play pro ball or even want to, but maybe they become an attorney and work for the Innocence Project or work in the district attorney's office trying cases that end up helping people in communities in need. Maybe it can happen, but not if Gruden is canceled. Punish him legally for any crimes, but then let him make restitution and try to better himself. If there are no actual crimes, then scold him publicly if necessary and work with him to become a better person, or at least point him in that direction. Also recently, Dave Chappelle is going through the cancel treatment as well. Now, I've never been a big fan of his, but once in a while he's delivered a laugh to me. He's getting his for making transphobic comments in his most recent Netflix special, which, full disclosure, I've not watched. I've only read about it. And then these past couple weeks, I've also been watching the new Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali. It's a four-part, eight-hour documentary on his career in the ring and his life outside of it. And it's worth every second of time you'd invest in watching it, as are most Ken Burns documentaries. And the thing of it is, you don't have to be a boxing fan to enjoy it. My wife, who could care less about the sport, really enjoyed it and watched along with me. The whole cancel culture mess we're seeing today kept going through my head as I watched the film. I kept thinking to myself that Ali would have been KO'd in the first round if he lived in the times we live in today. Conservatives would cancel him for being a conscientious objector to the war and speaking truth to power. Liberals and progressives would cancel him for being a misogynist, even though that's not what he was. He was most definitely a philanderer during a big chunk of his life, though. Many people would likely cancel him for how he treated and spoke about several of his opponents in what was very certainly racist language. Other people would cancel him for his support or non-support of Elijah Muhammad, the self-proclaimed messenger of Allah and the leader of the Nation of Islam from 1934 until his death in 1975. So sure, Ali had a lot going on. I first read a biography of him back in 1992, Thomas Hauser's Muhammad Ali, His Life and Times. It's a great treatment of his life up to that point. And more recently, I've read Jonathan Igg's Ali a Life, a 2017 release. Check the episode notes for links to both of those great reads. Prior to reading those books, my knowledge of Ali was mostly limited to his boxing career. Of course, I knew of his conflict with the draft board, which led to his having to relinquish his title and his sentencing to a five-year prison term, though he'd never served any time as he'd won on appeal. Anyway, my knowledge of the guy was superficial at best until I read those books. But the documentary and both books also tell the story of his redemption. Naturally, the Eig book and the Burns documentary have the benefit of having witnessed his story to the end. Direct mail. To a business owner, that only brings to mind big dollar signs and little return. Well, there's a better way to reach, stay in front of, and engage your customers, prospects, and cohorts. Constant contact, folks. Yep. I've used them for years for my businesses, and it works. And for pennies per contact as compared to direct mail, 
Subscriptions start at around 20 bucks a month. Constant Contact provides powerful email tools that include a library of awesome design templates, list management and reporting, event management, polls, and more. So, if you want to stay in front of your audience, Constant Contact has everything you need, and I'll make it easy for you. Simply go to constantcontact.com forward slash you don't say to start your free trial account today. I was also thinking about, as I watched the film, the image of Ali at the 96 Olympics, his 1960 gold medal restored to him, standing on the platform, trembling, Parkinson's having ravaged him, as he held a torch, using both of those once-upon-a-time lightning-fast hands to light the flame that zipped up to the bowl to start the games. I remember tearing up as I watched it live. It was pretty moving stuff. In his years after boxing, Ali eventually came around to a different perspective on his faith as well. One that is, I believe, a common thread among most religions of the world, based in love and peace and not seeing the color of one's skin, or even discriminating against them based on whatever faith they might be. Ali once said, Rivers, ponds, lakes, and streams, they all have different names, but they all contain water, just as religions do. They all contain truths. He also said, Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Those words are inscribed on his headstone. Pretty wise words from a guy who was a boxer. And he lived these ideas every second of every day of the last few decades of his life. He found humility. He believed in doing everything you can to help others whenever you can. And he shared himself with everyone he encountered who was in need. He was no saint. None of us are. But he was a man of peace, a man of service, a man of faith. One who was, by the way, willing to go to prison for his beliefs. Not many of us would be willing to take that stand. He also sought forgiveness for how he treated his past wives and his greatest rival, Joe Frazier, and others he'd wronged. So forget his achievements in the ring. Following his boxing career and his wayward wild years, he made a positive impact in this world on so many lives. And then I thought about how he would be dealt with today. Cancelled. A cancellation that might lead to bitterness and possibly just make the whole situation worse and lead a person to just continue doing what they're doing. Cancellation does nothing to change him. I mean, why change? Everyone's already against me. Fuck them. I'll show them something to get pissed off about. The reality of the cancel thing is that, sure, it may shame someone for a while, but it doesn't help them make any positive changes. And regular people don't generally get canceled for things unless they've committed an actual crime instead of just expressing something that's offensive. Why? Because only the people in their immediate circle hear them say these things. And then it's likely that those people just shrug it off and say, well, that's so-and-so. He or she is just an asshole. So whatever, just ignore them. But they still get invited to the next barbecue or holiday soiree. The people who generally get major cancellations are all people of means, higher profile people who, let's be honest, aren't going to hurt in any meaningful way if they can't work in their chosen fields ever again. So their reputation suffers. Maybe they lose some endorsements or possible gigs down the road. But they most likely have generational wealth and assets. They can retire comfortably the second after they're canceled. If he wants to, Gruden can have a chat with his financial advisor to figure out what he can draw from his assets to live on for the rest of his life and still have plenty to roll down the hill to the rest of his family. Guy's got a net worth of 30 million bucks, and you and I both know that there's probably already a book deal being cooked up. He can just ride off into the sunset, golf, travel, and learn to live with his low profile, but never suffer any real pain from what's happening to him now. The only beneficiary of a cancellation is to the canceller who gets to experience the puffy feeling of self-righteousness. And that's probably only got a lifespan until the next news cycle and the next cancellation. I mean, a week and a half later, 
The Gruden thing has already faded from the headlines. Look, we all get tempted to pull the cancel trigger. I know I do. If you've listened to any of these podcasts or know me personally, you certainly know how I feel about the ex-president. Would I like to cancel him? Yes. Do I get stomach acid every time I see him or hear his voice? Absolutely. But for as much as I'd like to put him in a box and tuck it away forever, that won't stop him from running his mouth and thumbs, fomenting and inciting the worst instincts in people, and stoking them with fantasies, conspiracy theories, and, well, nothing remotely resembling facts and data. And the insanity that spills from his mouth and the revving up of fringe groups will just continue out of sight until it's out of control, and that ain't good. So I'd rather keep him in the sunlight, where we all know what he's up to, regardless of the bile he stirs up. Canceling won't stop or change him. So now I come back to that thing we all have in our lives. Our closets. None of us likes to open that door, but there it is, and it's a part of who we are. I hope that I've evolved well beyond where my lizard brain was at the age of 16 or 17. I like to think I have. But I'm certain that some people in my family and circle will remind me that I haven't in a lot of ways. And they're probably right. None of us is perfect. None of us. And none of us knows what's truly in a person's heart. Though it makes us feel superior to believe that we do and that we're more perfect than they are. There's a proverb that states those of us living in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yet we all live in one and we pick up those rocks and chunk them. I know I'm guilty of that more than I like to acknowledge. When I get pissed off about how someone's doing something or what they're saying or the crimes they committed, my mouth gets busy. Stand next to me when I end a technical support call or billing inquiry with a cable or phone provider. You'll see it in full bloom. And okay, a lot of us don't shout out garbage like others when the trigger is hit, but you're probably thinking it very loudly. As far as I know, the most perfect human to have roamed this planet has been gone now for almost 2,000 years, and that guy even had a hell of a temper when he couldn't abide something. Just ask all those people at the garage sale in the temple, and even he was canceled, murdered on a cross. I guess if I follow the teachings of my religious heritage, that was part of the plan, so the fellow really had no way out. We've always been eager to put down or cancel others who don't prescribe to what we believe, And no, I'm not comparing John Gruden or Dave Chappelle or Donald Trump to Jesus, just to be clear. And you know what? One of the worst parts of this cancel thing, in my opinion, is what happens on college campuses. People or lecturers come in with different views and they get canceled. Their tenure is revoked and pushed out. I'm not agreeing with them necessarily. I just believe that our rights to free speech entitle us to express ourselves. And I mean, aren't universities and educational institutions supposed to be places whose purpose is to encourage diversity of thought, where people can speak their minds openly and exchange ideas? Last time I checked, silencing people only happens in totalitarian and fascist states who are pretty good at eliminating dissenters from the scene. And yeah, maybe that's hyperbole, but I think it's an appropriate analogy. It's the next stop if the cancel train keeps rolling. Again, the whole point of this discussion isn't to put people guilty of real crimes under any kind of halo, nor is it to defend others who express ideas and opinions that aren't criminal but are truly reprehensible. But if expressing ideas and opinions is all they're doing, we all need to put our grown-up pants on and deal with the idea that people are different. We shouldn't eliminate dissent or ideas that when expressed or acted on are offensive. A lot of times, not always mind you, but a lot of times, a cancelee's only crime is dissent from popular mainstream thinking. So remember this. Dissent is how our country came to be. Dissent is how change happens. Dissent is where our right to free speech was born. 
if we don't know or take the time to try to understand what's behind what other people are saying or thinking, we'll never move forward. We need to engage, not cancel. We shouldn't banish someone whose ignorance is on full display. We should come up with a plan to help reboot them, not lock them out. If they're up for it, at the very least, they may be able to understand why what they say and think is out of bounds. And believe it or not, in asking why, we may come to an understanding of how they got there and how we might be able to shed light where it's needed most. In the end, the person who's dropping homophobic, misogynistic, or other vile ideas may become the greatest ally to all those causes if just given the chance to work through the issues. And we may all become better for having engaged them. In canceling everyone and everything that's offensive to us, we're canceling our opportunity to make our world better. Why? Because those ideas and people will go under the rock. They'll always be out there waiting for their chance to spread their ideas, and we'll never know what hit us. Just look at our recent history for how that happens. It did, and it can. So we all need to just toughen up a bit and deal with things that we can't or don't agree with or that are way out of bounds, but still technically not criminal. So back to Ali. If we'd canceled him for whatever reason, we would have deprived the world of who he became as wisdom and experience and self-examination sunk in. We would have deprived all the lives he touched in a positive way. We would have missed out on the version of him that was truly the greatest. So let's cancel cancel culture and leave the door open for others to become their best selves too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review You Don't Say wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your family and friends. I welcome your feedback on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YDS Stories and LinkedIn at Drew Zagorski. And that's me. I'm Drew Zagorski. Thanks for listening to You Don't Say. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to tell, shoot me an email to info at youdontsay.net. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YDS Stories. Thanks again, and see you on the next episode.